Hello. Hello, friends. Hello. Welcome to Chi Alpha. Hey. Sorry, that's what I always say. How are y'all doing tonight? You doing good? You guys excited? Yeah. So, uh, for the start, oh, I'm really loud now. Yeah. Don't need to be that loud. <laughs> Jeremy. Okay, okay. So, uh, for the sermon tonight, there is no sermon. What? I'm just kidding. April Fools, y'all. Uh, Christina told me to say that. Y'all can send your complaints to her. <laughs> okay, so as uh, Shannon said, my name is Lydia, and I'm on staff with Chi Alpha. Um, just a short glimpse of to who I am. I uh, met Jesus in Chi Alpha, um, and because of that, it changed my life. And yeah, he changed my life like fully and completely. Uh, I, if you knew me before, I knew Jesus. Like, like really, I was nothing like I like I am now. Um, that's all because of the Lord. Um, and I wanted to see how people do that. And when I became a small group leader, and I had to be responsible of other people um, so that they could also know the Lord too, it made me become more mature um, in the Lord. And when I went on a mission trip. Um, I felt like the Lord was asking me to do that for uh, my life. And so that's why I'm on staff here, learning how to be a missionary. Um, it's really cool. So we're going to go ahead and get started. Oh, actually, side note before we start, it's Claire's birthday. <laughs> She's turning 36. Freshman, I'm just kidding. She's turning 19. Uh, we're not gonna sing happy birthday to her, but if you see her outside, she's the one with the really great makeup. You just wish her a happy birthday. <laughs> okay, anyway, so uh, I grew up around beaches. I really love beaches. Um, the mountains are cool too, but don't get me wrong, but beaches are where it's at, honestly. Um, and one of my favorite things about beaches is the ocean. I love water. I love swimming in the water. And I would like swim swim in the ocean, but I would mostly just like float in the water because you're like weightless and it feels like so great. Um, and so the thing that I would do whenever I'd be in the ocean is I would just try to submerge myself to like the bottom of the water because when you're at the bottom of the ocean, it's super cool. The sand is really soft. Um, it's really peaceful. You like, like you can't hear anything. It's just really great. Um, and it was wonderful. Y'all should try sometime. Go to the ocean if you can. Um, <laughs> I wasn't filled. So when I would submerge myself to the bottom of the water, I wasn't filled with the ocean water, but I was completely contained by the ocean water, if that makes sense. Um, this semester, we've been talking about different characteristics of the Lord that he has revealed about himself through the Bible. Um, we know the Lord created the universe, and because he has created the universe, he exists always with his creation. And what do I mean by this? Just like how I was completely immersed in the ocean water when I would try to swim to the bottom, the Lord's presence is always fully immersing all of his creation. It's pretty cool. He is always present in heaven and earth and even in hell. Since he created the universe, he has filled the universe. In 2 Chronicles 2.6, it says, The heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain him. But let me clarify, the universe isn't the manifestation of God. That would be pantheism. Um, pantheism basically just says that nature is God. So like, 
God created a tree, so therefore God must be in that tree, so therefore we worship said tree. That's false. That's not at all what I'm saying here. The Lord created and designed the universe, and he fills it, just like how the Lord can fill us, but we in ourselves don't become God, but we can still be filled with God. This is called the Lord's omnipresence. Omni just means universal, and presence, like when you're in the presence of someone, it means that you are here with them, you're close to them, or you're next to them. God is equally near to all parts of his universe. In order for us to think rightly of the Lord, we cannot think geographically or astronomically, like in light years or inches or miles. The Lord is not contained by space, but rather space is contained by the Lord. God being infinite does not dwell in space, rather he swallows up all space. Going back to my ocean story, just like how I was completely submerged in the ocean, heaven and earth are completely submerged in God. As humans, this might be hard for us to grasp because we can only exist in one place at one time, but that's why we have the Bible, to study and search out more of the Lord so that we can fall more in love with him. So tonight, we're going to look at different passages that reveal the Lord's omnipresence to us. Um, my really, really great friend, Love Moore, is going to be reading our scripture tonight. Uh, if y'all didn't know, Love Moore was my target in Assassin, the game that we don't speak about. But <laughs> yeah, Love Moore is pretty great. I never got him, but I know a lot about him. If y'all want to know where he works, just let me know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, Love Moore, whenever you're ready. Okay, uh, so John 1 from verse 45 to 51. Philip found Nathaniel and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, He truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked Jesus. Asked, Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before, before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Awesome. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. We're going to pray real quick and then we'll get started. Jesus, Lord, would you be here tonight, God? Would your presence be in this room, Lord Jesus Christ? Would you speak through me, Lord God? Would we feel your words, Lord? Would we feel your omnipresence here, Lord Jesus Christ? Would you open our eyes, God? We need you, Jesus. We need you to change our lives, Lord, to change our hearts, Lord Jesus Christ. Our God, we love you, Lord, and we just want to see more of you. We want to see more of your majesty and more of your truth, Lord Jesus. So would you come tonight, Lord God, 
And would you fill this place, Lord Jesus Christ? We love you, Lord. Amen. Hold on, my iPad closed. Okay, so that passage is pretty crazy. It's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Um, and just to give you a context, context of what's happening here, Philip basically just meets Jesus. Um, he knew he was the Messiah, the one that they had been waiting for for generations. And so the next thing that Philip does is he goes, he finds his friend Nathaniel, and he tells Nathaniel, we found him. We found the one Moses and the prophets talked about. Like, he's here. Um, and Nathaniel's response reveals a lot about his character and about himself. He basically is all like, yeah, right, bro. What you talking about? <laughs> Not from Nazareth. Heck no. Um, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> um, and like, how Philip responds to Nathaniel also really blows my mind. He just says, well, just come and see. It's crazy. Um, this passage then says that as they were approaching Jesus, calls Nathaniel, or as they were approaching, Jesus calls Nathaniel by his name without even being formally introduced to him yet. Um, and Jesus doesn't just know Nathaniel's name, but he also speaks of his character, too. He knows his character. He said, this is truly an Israelite. With him, there is no guile. It's crazy. How could Jesus know his character? How do, how do we know people's character? Like, without spending time with them. Um, this past weekend, I don't like games. I don't really do games. But this past weekend, I've been playing a lot of games with my friends. Uh, loaded questions. I like asking people questions, and uh, so it's a game where we ask people questions. It's so great. Uh, <laughs> but uh, as like in a group, when you're playing this game with a group of friends, you can definitely tell who really knows you. And my friend Marissa knows me very, very well. She definitely knows my sense of humor. She knows what I would say, or even if I shouldn't say it, but she definitely knows it. And it's just crazy. Marissa knows me. She knows my responses because she knows my character. Um, she like she because she has spent time with me. Um, so how can Jesus know Nathaniel's character if they haven't even met yet? Um, so Jesus knows Nathaniel's name. He knows his character, and Nathaniel is a little freaked out at the moment. Like, how the heck do you know me? Kind of like when I told Lovemore when I knew where he worked. Um, <laughs> then Jesus, but Jesus says to Nathaniel, "Oh Nathaniel, I know you." I've always known you. I've known you even before you were still at the fig tree. And then Nathaniel says, you really are the son of God. And okay, so fun fact, under the fig tree, that was a phrase that rabbis would use to describe their meditation on scriptures. So this implies Nathaniel probably spent a lot of time in prayer and meditating on the scriptures, waiting for this Messiah. The Jews were waiting for the Messiah to come. Um, but in his pride, he was like, no way this Messiah, this Messiah is from Nazareth. But once Nathaniel was with Jesus, he had no doubt. He had spent all that time under the fig tree seeking the Lord through prayer that he knew that he knew that he knew that this was the very presence of the Messiah. It's so cool. Jesus knew Nathaniel. He knew his character. And he knew how Nathaniel spent his time because the Lord has always ever been present with him. It is the Lord's omnipresence, which means that he is near to, close to, and next to his creation. 
then, then that must mean that the, that the Lord has been near to Nathaniel, close to Nathaniel, and next to Nathaniel his whole life. The Lord is always ever present to us. He's always been with us. He isn't far away like a Roman god on a mountain or like the other gods of other religions that are dead in their tombs, but he is here today ever always with us. This is beautiful and hopefully reassuring, but also if we are honest with ourselves, this is quite terrifying. If the Lord has always ever been present in my life, then that means he's been present in the delightful things, yes, but that also means he's been present for the gross and evil things of my life too. There is no place in heaven or earth or even hell where men may hide from his presence. 1 Corinthians 14.25 says, The secrets of his heart will be laid bare. Falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. The secrets of our hearts are laid bare before the Lord. The Lord knew Nathaniel was filled with pride. The Lord knew that he was filled with pride. The Lord knew what Nathaniel was thinking. But the Lord said, I know you. And I will show you greater things like angels ascending and descending from heaven. The Lord knows you and he knows me. The Lord knows my heart, even the deepest thoughts that I can't even put, in, put or describe in words. Um, over, over winter break, we were at a conference um, and at this conference there were services and you know they had altar calls and where we were able to go and like be with the Lord and so I went up for an altar call because you know I wanted to be with the Lord I wanted to talk to the Lord and so I like went up and I like went to the front um, and I started praying and then there was uh, my eyes were closed and you know like when your eyes are closed but you can still like feel where people are at because you can hear like where the voice is coming from right so i could like feel or i could like set or i knew that there was a girl that was like kind of like in front of me um because i heard her voice and she was like singing and you know there's ever just like some people that you're like oh lordy <laughs> you know um yeah you know like some people are just like oh gosh you know so yeah this is so I, here I am, trying to talk to the Lord, and all I can hear is this girl in front of me, and I'm all like, oh my goodness, stop, just stop, just stop, girl, just stop. Um, and so yeah, I was really distracted. I was like trying to talk to the Lord, but the whole time I was like, oh my gosh, just stop. Um, but um, so while that was happening, someone came up to me and they started praying over me, like they put their hands over me, and they started praying for me, um, and I was like, okay, that's cool, you can pray for me, that's fine, whatever. Um, and I wasn't my thought. I'm just kind of getting the story along. Um, and then after a little while, she starts weeping over me. And I was like, okay, what's going on here? She's like full on crying. I don't cry, but um, uh, she's like full on crying for me. And I'm like, what the heck is happening? But then I'm still like really annoyed with this other girl that's in front of me. And it was just really awful. And then, you know, she stops crying and she puts her hand down. So I'm like, okay, she's done now. Um, and to my surprise, when I turned and I looked over, the girl that I was annoyed with was actually the one that was weeping over me. Um, and it was crazy, and I didn't even know what to say to her. And then after that, like, um, after she had been finished praying over me, she began to prophesy over me. Beautiful, beautiful things that the Lord has for my future. And this whole time I was annoyed with this girl, thinking evil, evil, evil gross thoughts about her. 
We don't deserve the Lord. We really are but dogs, like Taylor said last week. The Lord knows that all about me. He knows all of my public and private selfishness. And still he went to the cross for me. I don't deserve that. Thank you, Jesus, that he would do that for me so that I could sit at the table with him. The Lord knows all of us. He has walked with us every day since we've been born. He's lived through all of our experiences. His presence has been there for everything we have done, for everything we've ever thought. David says in Psalms 139, Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem in me behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. The power of God's omnipresence is that there is no possible way for us to hide our selfishness from the Lord. But still knowing all of that, he went to the cross for you. Acts 17, 28 says God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. So some of you may be thinking, if the Lord is always present, even in my deepest, most intimate thoughts, how come the Lord seems so far away from me and I just feel really lonely? I was reading an article posted by Harvard like a month or so ago um, and explained that there are different types of loneliness. You know, I know that loneliness is like a big problem. I feel like almost a lot of us here would say that we've experienced loneliness to some sort of degree. Um, but there's different types of loneliness. I didn't know that. But there is interpersonal loneliness, which basically makes a person question, do I have a friend? Do I have someone I can tell my troubles to? There is existential loneliness that makes a person question, do I fit into the universe? Does my life have any meaning, purpose, weight, balance, or mission? And then there's societal loneliness, which makes a person question, when I enter a room, is my arrival both anticipated and welcomed? Isn't that insane? It breaks my heart that there are people who question these things about themselves. If you think these things, if you have ever questioned these things in your life, then let me tell you, all these answers, or all these questions can only truly be answered and satisfied in Jesus. And if you're here and you feel that way, let me also tell you that there are people here who want to be your friend. So if the Lord is with me, if he is always present everywhere at any time, if he fills the space just as he overfills all the space in the universe, if he has walked with us since we've even existed, if he knows us by our names and he knows us by our thoughts, just like how he knew Nathaniel before he was under the fig tree, how, how come three out of five of us would say in this room that we truly feel lonely? That when we think of God, we think of him as either like Santa Claus in the sky or something that is so remotely far from us. I'm going to tell you another story about some of my old roommates. Here's a picture of them. It's coming soon. 
There they are. Um, I used to live with a lot of animals. Um, don't live with them anymore. Um, and these animals lived upstairs with me. Um, I, I was like in the middle. Leo lived on one side of me. Ethel lived on the other side of me. Leo's the dog. Ethel's a cat. Um, and so whenever these two animals would interact with each other, um, I got, I was like right in the middle. So I got like a front row seat to like how their interaction would go. And honestly, it's kind of funny because because one's a cat, one's a dog, and cats and dogs are not supposed to interact with each other. And so they would make these like weird noises and sounds that aren't barks or meows. I don't know what they're doing. And like, they just didn't know how to interact with each other. One was like this big, giant dog, and this other one was like a big, lazy cat. And you know, she's great too, but they wouldn't know what to do with each other. They would just kind of like sniff at each other and then try to talk, but it wouldn't work. And they just, yeah. They didn't know how to interact with each other because they weren't similar. It wasn't in their nature to interact with each other. Dogs interact with dogs. Dogs can communicate with dogs. Dogs can't communicate with cats, um, and vice versa. The reason is that in spiritual things, closeness and likeness are the same thing. Remoteness means dissimilarity. When it comes to personality, when it comes to something spiritual, or like our spirits, we have spirits, um, when it comes to things that, that are not material, Distance doesn't mean anything. Jesus could go to the right hand of God, the Father, and still say to the people on earth, I am with you always in Matthew 28, because Jesus Christ is God, and God being spirit can be instantaneously everywhere at the same time. But we are shut off from God, not because God is spatially far from us, not because he is remote from us like a continent far away or from a galaxy far away, but because there is a dissimilarity in nature. Just like Ethel and Leo, they were they're proximally very close with each other. They were with each other around all the time. But because they had different natures, they were so far apart from each other. Sometimes Leo thought Ethel liked her, liked him. And then Ethel would hit him in the face. Like stuff like that happened. I'm not making it up. Ask Audie, she was there. Um, we do not have a problem of remoteness or distance from God. We also do not have a problem with loneliness. But rather, in our nature, we are nothing like him. Our nature is selfish, and the Lord knows it. He sees it. He hears it. He hears our most deepest, selfish, most inner thoughts. And in our selfishness, we leave no room for the Lord to speak and reveal himself to us. The reason we sense that God is remote is because there is a dissimilarity between our moral characters. Yes, God made man in his image, but man sinned and became unlike God. And because we are unlike God, communion with God is broken. Tozer tells a story to illustrate this truth. Suppose a very, very godly man and a very, very abandoned evil man were forced to sit together on a journey. What could they talk about? They'd have to find some common ground, and it might be the landscape or the pretty tree or the weather, but they can never have real fellowship. They might, if the sinner listened to the urgent witness of the good man, but as long as the sinner shut himself off and said, you can't talk about God, there would be no communion. They would be miles apart, even if they were the same nationality, the same age, and traveling even in the same vehicle. I think we all would like to envision ourselves as the godly man in that story. But Apostle Paul in Ephesians very bluntly describes the reality of our selfish nature, which sounds a whole lot like the abandoned evil man. Um, 
Lovemore is going to read um, this description in Ephesians. Okay. Um, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the rule of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. So, I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in their futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Thanks, Lovemore. Isn't this horrible? By nature, we are objects of wrath. We have a hardening of our hearts. We have a continual lust for more. This is the reality of our selfish nature. God is not far away in distance, but he seems to be because he is far away in character. God is in his perfect holiness, man in his perfect iniquity, and the two can never meet. Despite us being so unlike God, we still search the world for God or for something or someone to meet us and to be our friend to fulfill this need that we have that is left unsatisfied. But we don't find him because our natures are not the same. It is our hearts that put the distance between us and God. As I said earlier, I like the ocean. Um, and so I also really like the beach too. Um, I think I also said that. Um, <laughs> but uh, so my second favorite thing to do at the beach is after I've been in the water for a while, I like to go to the sand and just like dry in the sun. Like even though you're soaking like you're like dripping wet in ocean water, like the sun is so hot on the beach that it literally like dries you and then your skin, your skin has like this residue of salt on it and it's just it's great. It's wonderful. Um, and it's quite beautiful because I love basking in the sun. It's just it's wonderful. It feels so nice. Um, I also just moved into a new house. It's called the Shire. It doesn't look like that, but let me tell you, it feels like that. <laughs> um, it truly lives up to its name. It's probably one of the most peaceful and comforting things or comforting homes I've ever lived in. Um, and there's no ocean here, but one thing that I do, or one thing, if you ever came over, you'll find me and my roommates lounging in the backyard. Um, because we can't lounge at the beach, so we lounge in the backyard. Um, and you'll also find other creatures lounging in the backyard with us, like birds. We have a lot of birds, and they just bask in the sun with us. It's quite wonderful. That's so wonderful, actually. Um, and it reminds me of us being at the beach, seeing like the sea lions also basking in the sun. It's just so great. Um, the thing is about birds and sea lions is that it truly is their bliss to be in the sun, almost as if they were made for the sun. Bliss you can describe as perfect happiness and great joy. Just as the presence of the shining sun is the bliss of all creatures that love the sun, and they come out of hiding to fly or swim when the sun is shining, the presence of God is the bliss of moral beings. Why? Because we are created to be in the Lord's presence, 
to have communion with him. That is what the Lord intended for our, our existence. The Lord intended for us to be in his presence when he created us in the garden. And just like how the sea lion or the bird is thriving in the sun because it's the bliss of the creatures, it is the bliss of humans to be in the presence of God. And the absence of the presence of God is grief, sorrow, and loneliness. Now you might say, Lydia, you just said that there's no place where the Lord's presence isn't at. He infinitely feels all times and places. So what do you mean this absence of presence of God for why we feel grief, sorrow, and loneliness? Stay with me when I explain this. When I say that it is our bliss to be in the presence of God, our greatest joy is to be with God. The presence I'm talking about is the real, literal, manifest presence of God. That is what we are created for. To fully have the sun shining on our face and our face shining like the sun's. When Adam walked with God in Eden, he walked with God like the actual God. This is what we are created for, fully and completely to walk with the Lord. Yeah. And one day we'll do this forever in eternity. Does that make sense? The omnipresence of God reveals that God is present everywhere in his creation, in earth, in heaven, and even in hell. But it is his manifest presence that our souls crave. A.W. Tozer says, If there is no fire in hell and no worm that dieth not, hell would be hell enough because moral creatures are cut off forever from the sunshine of God's face. And if there were no golden streets, no jasper walls, no angels, no harps, no living creatures, no elders, and no sea of glass, heaven would be heaven enough because we shall see his face and his name shall be on our foreheads. It is the manifest, conscious presence of God that makes heaven, heaven. And it is the refusal of God ever to manifest his presence to those who do not want to be with him that makes hell what it is and makes the world what it is. So then how can we change our nature? If we are a selfish nature and the Lord is not, how do we rid ourselves of this selfish nature and have a nature so that we can be with the Lord, so that we can commune with him? Man cannot change himself into the likeness of God. Man cannot cultivate himself into his likeness. Man can't write himself. God cannot change, or more so, God will not change. He will not change his nature, or else he wouldn't be infinite, and he wouldn't be infinitely holy. So if man does not have the ability to change himself, and God would not change his very being, because that would make him a liar, how then does our nature change so that we can walk with the Lord in our full bliss with his face shining on us as the Lord intended? This dissimilarity in natures can only be reconciled by one who is both God and man. We're going to go back to Nathaniel. When he encounters Jesus for the first time, he doubted the Lord. He said, what good can come out of Nazareth? And then Jesus said, or then he admitted, or then he said, like, yes, you are the Son of God, when he realized, oh, heck, this is the Messiah. And then Jesus said that he would see angels ascending and descending from heaven. What does that mean? Why does Jesus say this after Nathaniel recognized him for who he was? Um, we're going to look at another passage in the Bible that talks about these angels ascending and descending from heaven. Um, well, Moore's going to read it. It's in Genesis 28, verses 10 through 13 and 16 through 17. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran, 
When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. And then starting in verse 15, oh, when Job awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Surely the Lord is in this place. Isn't that crazy? When the Lord says, I'm the Lord to Jacob, that was the first time Jacob encountered the Lord. And then look at Jacob's response. He says, surely the Lord is in this place. And I didn't even know it. Truly, this must be the gate of heaven. This is where God and Jacob meet. But we can be rest assured knowing that the Lord has known Jacob long before that moment. It was as much the gate of heaven when Jacob laid down as to when he awoke. But Jacob said, I didn't even know it. The presence of God has been there the whole time. But now by a work of grace, he got a manifest presence of the Lord. How? What is this gate of heaven? A gate implying that, yes, heaven is right there, but first we have to walk through that gate. In John 9, 10, Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Jesus is the ladder that the angels are ascending and descending on. Jesus is a ladder that brings heaven down to earth, and only through Jesus can our nature be changed. Jesus came down and became both God and man. He lived a sinless life, which implies that through Jesus, it is, it is possible for us to live a sinless life, and that by his death, he would remove our selfishness, which is the very thing that keeps us from our Heavenly Father. God is always ever-present with us, and him knowing all of our dirt, all of our selfishness, he still decided to go to the cross so that we could come back, come back home to our Father and sit at that table that we don't deserve. What does it mean to come back home? Apostle Paul explains this reconciliation in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he was committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, and though, as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. When we are reconciled to God, the Lord implants in the selfish yet repentant heart some of his own nature. And then the nature in God, the nature of God and the nature in you are no longer dissimilar, but are one. We are home and that dissimilarity is gone. The unlikeness is removed. The nature of God implanted in the reconciled now makes it morally proper that man and God should have fellowship. 
This is reconciliation. In Acts 2.38, it says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit fills us, that is how our nature is changed. That is how we are made new. This is what the new creation meant in 2 Corinthians. It's a new birth. This new birth is an implantation of divine life. And by this new birth, the Lord gives us some of his own delightful divine nature by his spirit. And by his Holy Spirit, we can sit at his table and call on Abba Father. Romans 8, 15 through 17 says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs with God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Like I said earlier, we are made in the image of God, and only through Jesus on the cross can we be like-natured as the Lord. Our natures can be renewed from our selfishness to being that of Jesus. We are made in the image of God for God. That is our purpose here on earth. If you find your purpose in anything else than just being with Jesus, then I'm sorry, but you will burn out and you will feel meaningless and purposeless all over again. Those questions about loneliness that, that I said earlier, those things of do I have a friend? Am I welcomed? Like, do I have a purpose? Jesus is the only answer to those things. And only being with Jesus will our nature change into what the Lord intended for us. I love the Garden of Eden because it was there where man walked with God. I said this already, but it's just so crazy. He literally walked like literal presence of God, just like how you walk with friends, like in their presence, you know? That's what the Lord wanted. When he created us, when he created Adam and Eve, he wanted to walk with them. He wanted to be with them, always. So in order for us to have this, in order for us to be like Nathaniel and say, you really are the son of God, and then to be like Jacob and say, surely the Lord is in this place and I am at the footsteps of heaven, then we must go to him. If you want to see the Lord and commune with him and walk with him, how you would a friend, a friend that eagerly awaits to be with you, we must repent of our selfishness. We must believe in Jesus and then we must ask him to fill us with his spirit. There isn't anything magical about this altar up here. And the Lord can fill you with his spirit anywhere. It doesn't have to happen here. But I can tell you that the Lord's presence is here and he wants to be with you. So if you want the Lord, if you want, if you're tired of having the Lord feel like he's so far away from you, then ask him to fill you. And if he doesn't fill you, then ask him again and ask him again and ask him again. Because let me tell you, he's worth searching out. He's worth pursuing. I'm not the same person I was because the Lord pursued me. For 19 years. Don't wait 19 years like I did. Justin is going to play a song. Um, and if you want this nature, if you want to be with the Lord, to be in his literal manifest presence, being with him, then you should come up here. 
and you should talk to him. You should repent of your selfishness and ask him to fill you. The Bible says that if we seek him with all of our hearts, then we will find him. So I'm going to pray, and you guys should come. Jesus, Lord God, we don't deserve to be with you, God. But you created us to be with you, Lord Jesus Christ. You gave everything for us to be with you, Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that we would be willing to lay down our selfishness, Lord God. That we would just be so fed up with our selfishness and our loneliness, Lord, that we would just want something different, Lord Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, would you move in hearts right now, Lord God. Would you change our natures, Lord God. Lord, may we see you. May your presence be so real to us as if you were really a friend in here talking to us, Lord, because that's who you said you are, Lord Jesus. Lord God, may we talk to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I pray tonight that there would be lives changed, Lord, natures changed, Lord God. Holy Spirit, would you give yourself to us, Lord God. May we have a taste of how good you are, Lord God, and how real you are, and how real you want to be in our lives, Lord God. Not as some God who is far away from us, Lord, but a personal friend, a personal king, a personal savior who is right here with us, who has known us since the beginning of time, Lord Jesus. Lord God, we need you and we want you, Lord Jesus, so would you be in this place right now, God? Mm.